0: Our first reading can be found in Matthew's gospel on page 976 in the church Bibles. And we read Matthew chapter 11, verses two to 11. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in kings' palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: The second reading is from Isaiah, chapter 35, beginning at the first verse, which can be found on page 720. The joy of the redeemed. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance and with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the the lamb leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on the way. The unclean will not journey on it, Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Well, good morning, uh, everyone. It's lovely to be back with you here today. It's really lovely to see uh, many friends again. Uh, I know my family are very thankful for your support and prayers over the last few months. They do send their love. Uh, Mum and Dad uh, have yeah really appreciated those of you who got in touch and, and sent your prayers over the last few months. Uh, many of you know uh, Dad's been receiving treatment for prostate cancer over the last few weeks. That treatment's now come to an end. It seems to have gone well. Uh, we need to wait a few weeks before Uh, some more tests to see how he's doing, Uh, but he's very thankful uh, for all your support. Uh, My wife uh, Beeman and uh, Zoe, our little girl, she's nine weeks old now, they're sad they can't be here this morning. Um, She's still quite small, so it's quite a long way for her to come, and uh, they were a bit poorly last week, so they're back at home resting, Uh, but hopefully you'll get the chance to see them before too long. Um, Now I I had a bit of a mix-up, I think, with which passage we were looking at from the Bible today. Uh, It was lovely to hear the reading from Isaiah 35. (laughs) I prepared to preach on Isaiah 11, um, so rather than kind of put a sermon together off the cuff on Isaiah 35, uh, perhaps could you indulge me and turn up Isaiah 11, and uh, we'll have a look at that together this morning. Sorry about that. Uh, Isaiah 11 is on page 697 in the church Bibles, 697. 697. Let me read verses 1 to 10. A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes, or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy, with justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked, righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash round his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea." In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. Let me pray before we look at that passage together. Father, thank you that you are such a faithful God. Thank you that every promise you make, you will keep. Thank you that these words, written hundreds of years before Christ, are still true today, and speak to us here now. Help us to listen and more fully obey your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the big question which that passage raises for us this morning, I think, is this. Where do you look for hope? What ultimately is it that you're going to put your trust in? One of the things that I've noticed since becoming a father a few weeks ago, is that now I look quite differently at what happens out in the world, you know, as I read the news, as I see what's going on. I don't just think how it affects me or uh, what difference it makes to my life. Now I'm thinking about Zoe, what it's going to mean for her. It makes everything seem that bit more significant. Everything feels a bit more fragile, perhaps, when there's a tiny baby to look after. And as we look around the world, there are all sorts of things to worry about, aren't there? Life in post-Brexit Britain, how's that going to turn out? Life with Donald Trump as the leader of the free world, what's he going to get up to? The head of MI6 recently gave a speech saying that the threat of terrorism to the UK is the highest it's ever been. We live in London and we travel around on the tube week by week. That threat's in our minds. So I don't know what it is for you that just gets your heart going that makes you feel that twinge of worry for yourself and for those you love. And this time of year, this build up to Christmas, it can be a reminder of of how vulnerable we are. Maybe you hear news of a relative's poor health, maybe you're more conscious of breakups and heartbreak, of grief. And in those moments when we're reminded that We're never really in control of what happens in the world. When we're more aware of our weakness, well, it forces us to ask, where am I going to look for hope? What ultimately do I trust in? Now, for those of us who are Christians, I guess we'd say, above all, we we trust in Jesus. He is our, our Lord, our leader, our King. He is the one we ultimately turn to. But that's not always easy, is it? It's not easy when people out there often think that we're crazy to do that. It's easier and more natural, I find, to lean on something I can see, to fall back on something tangible. I don't know, maybe for you it's knowing there's money in the bank. You can check your bank balance, and as it goes up month by month, that reassures you. You think, we're okay, there's plenty there. If it's not money, maybe it's friends and family. You think, we'll all look out for each other. Together, we'll be okay. Or well, maybe you just look at yourself, whether through physical strength or mental ability or just sheer grim determination, you think, at the end of the day, I can count on myself to see me through. Well, when disaster's coming, when we're truly vulnerable, where do you look for hope? Who are you going to trust? And if you can relate to that at all well we need to listen to what god has to say today to us in isaiah because the people who originally heard that passage were in real trouble the empire of assyria kind of modern day iraq was the rising power of the day it's kind of the big bully on the international scene and they really were brutal you know if you go to the british museum i've done this with my wife you can see the pictures that they used to have on their walls the artwork in their palaces what they celebrate is slaughtering their enemies, ripping their stomachs open, slitting their throats. They were brutal, and these are the guys who were threatening God's people. And if we were there back then with that enemy, we would be terrified. I would be terrified. So the question for them was, where are we going to look for hope? What are we going to trust in when disaster's looming? Will they look to their own strength? or to the nations around them and their gods, or will they look to the Lord, their God? And that is what Isaiah has been calling them to do. God's already promised that the Assyrians, they're going to be destroyed, they're not going to last forever. And now in these verses, in Isaiah 11, he gives them a solid, concrete hope. The message is simple. The perfect king, who will bring perfect peace, is coming. The perfect king who will bring perfect peace is coming. He's on the way. And that is the message that will keep them trusting God, even in the face of disaster. And in this season of Advent that we celebrated already today, we're reminded that their great hope back then is our great hope today. The king they were waiting for is the king we're about to celebrate being born at Christmas. So these are words for us too, a message that will help us find hope in Jesus, even when it's hard, even in the face of disaster. Is it worth trusting Jesus? Well, two big reasons to do that from our passage in Isaiah. What he's like and what he'll bring. What he's like and what he'll bring. So first of all, what is this leader like that God's promising? Maybe look down at verses 1 to 5 from Isaiah 11. And you'll know when when politicians are up for election uh, during campaigns, they'll often talk about their roots, their background, their family history. It helps us to get to know them, to get a sense of where they're from. And that's kind of what we've got here at the start of the passage. Listen to verse 1, a shoot will come up from the branch of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The same idea is there again in verse 10. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. What are the roots of God's leader that he's promising? Well, it's Jesse. I'm sure if you know your Old Testament, you might get a sense of why we should sit up and take notice of that. Who was Jesse? The father of King David. The David who killed Goliath, who set up Jerusalem as the capital city, who defeated God's enemies the David that everyone looked back on as the great king, the king that God promised his descendants would always be on the throne. So if you're looking for pedigree, if you're looking for a promising background for a leader, you can't get any better than what's promised here. God promises a king from David's line. And more than that, not just another descendant of David, he's another son of Jesse. It's like he's another King David, David 2.0, another great king. With that kind of background, wouldn't you want him as your king? It's looking promising, but that's not all, that's not all. You know, when you're choosing someone to be a leader, whether in, in government or you know, in your business or whatever, it's not enough just to look at their background, there are plenty of people from privileged backgrounds who are basically incompetent before you can trust someone, you need to know if they're qualified. You look at their education, don't you? Have they passed the right exams? Have they got the skills they need? You look at their experience. Can they actually get things done and work with people? You look at their values. What is the vision that's actually guiding them in practice? All those kind of things. Well, listen to what qualifies this leader in verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. His qualification is God's Spirit. Just as the Spirit came on David when he was anointed, just as the Spirit was with prophets and priests and kings, so God's Spirit will rest on this leader. And it's a spirit of wisdom and understanding. We often struggle to understand the world, don't we? Things take us by surprise, often doesn't make sense, but this leader will see the world from God's perspective. He'll know how it works, how things should be done, he'll just get it. And it's a spirit of counsel, a might. We we often struggle to make decisions, you know, I find it hard enough choosing what coffee to get in Costa let alone big life decisions. It's not always clear what the right way to go is. Things rarely end up going the way we hoped, but this leader, he always knows the best decision to take and he has the power, the might to make sure those plans succeed. He gets things done. And it's a spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. You know, we always have mixed motives. Even the best leaders sometimes put their own interests before those they're meant to serve. But this leader, he delights in the fear of the Lord. He loves to do what's right in God's eyes. He's serving God above anything else. So so just imagine if this was a, a CV. You know, someone's applying to be a manager or something, and they put down their qualifications on a side of A4, and you're deciding if they get the job, okay? It comes to your desk what would you think, as you read it? Education. All the wisdom and understanding of God. It's better than my A-levels, I think. Key skills and abilities. Spirit-empowered counsel and might. Could do with some of that, couldn't we? Main interests? Fearing God. Delighting Him in everything. Everything. With those kind of qualifications, wouldn't you hire Him? Wouldn't you trust Him? That is what He's like. He is qualified by God's Spirit. It's looking good, isn't it? He's looking like the kind of leader we want. But that's not all. There's even more because, you know, it's not even enough to know if someone's qualified. Even if someone looks good on paper, even if they say all the right things, it's only when you see them in action that you really see their character. You know, someone might be thinking, okay, I see he's capable. I see he's powerful, but how do I know that's a good thing? How do I know he'll use that power for good and not harm? It's hard to trust him without knowing that. Well, the next verses should reassure us. Just look at what he'll be like. Verse 3, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. He's not going to judge by appearances or or pay attention to rumours. He's not going to change his mind just to get a bump in the opinion polls. No, verse 4, with righteousness he will judge the needy, with justice he'll give decisions to the poor of the earth. He will always do the right thing, even for those who don't have a voice, who don't have a vote, for the needy, for the poor. His very words will be powerful. He'll strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he'll slay the wicked. You know, it's interesting hearing what uh, people in the United States said about voting for for Donald Trump, why some of them did it. And it seems that what lots of people liked is the fact that he's a straight talker. You know, he says what he means. I think that's true, what he says isn't always very helpful, but he says what he means. But this leader that God's promising. His very words will defeat evil. The sound of his voice will bring justice. And verse 5, even his clothes show off his character. In, In Singapore, the largest political party, as they go about campaigning, the MPs, they always wear white, complete white, white shirt, bright white trousers. And it's meant to be a sign that they're incorruptible, that they have integrity. And it's kind of similar here in verse 5, righteousness will be His belt, faithfulness the sash around His waist. You just look at Him and you know He's committed to doing the right thing. When He makes a promise, He'll always keep it. He is righteous and faithful. So, just take a step back and think about what we've seen about this promised leader, this King who's coming. What is He like? His background? the best you could hope for. is from the line of David. His competence, qualified by God's Spirit. His character, he is altogether righteous and faithful. So why wouldn't you trust someone like this? Why wouldn't you give him your full support? There is no crisis that could overwhelm him. Nothing could catch him by surprise. There's no opposition that could outwit him. Nothing could frustrate his plans. You won't hear of an expensive scandal embarrassing him. There's no skeletons in his closet. He'll never flip-flop on what he's promised. No, in everything he does, he will display God's goodness. What a hope for the original readers of this in the face of disaster, a leader like that. That's something to hold on to when you feel threatened. This is the guy God's going to send. And for us, of course, looking back, well, we can't help but see Jesus. Jesus born as Jesse's descendant in Bethlehem, David's town. Jesus who was filled with God's Spirit. As He taught, people were dazzled by His authority and wisdom. As He spoke, evil spirits just ran away. With a word, He calmed a storm. Jesus who always lived to do his Father's will. Jesus is everything we've heard here today, and more. Don't you want to trust him? To give him your full support. One of the um, TV series, My Family, uh, always comes back to again and again, I'm sure we'll watch it with them uh, over Christmas, is The West Wing, Uh, it's getting a bit old now but it's still very good. Um, You may know Dad's probably said it's about advisors to the President of the United States. And in one episode, we get to see the background of two characters, Josh and Sam, how they came to work for the President. Both of them were were bright, successful guys, but they weren't really satisfied with what they were doing in life. It didn't really mean anything for them. Josh was uh, advising a, a boring politician who didn't really stand for anything. Sam was a corporate lawyer doing deals for big oil companies but Josh heard about this guy who seemed to be different, Jed Bartlett. No one really knew much about him, but he was running for president, so Josh went to hear him speak. And before he went, he said to Sam, when I'm there, if I see the real thing, a real leader, should I tell you about it? And Sam said, if you see the real thing, you won't need to. Your face will say it all. So Josh goes, and he hears Bartlett speak, And he's blown away. He's impressed with his honesty, his intelligence, his desire to serve. He is the real thing. And so he rushes back to find Sam. He runs through the rain, he gets sopping wet, he finds his law offices, he goes up to the top floor where he's got a big meeting with important people, and he just stands at the window looking in. And Sam looks up, sees his face, and his face says it all. Sam closes his notebook, gets up, leaves the meeting, leaves his job, And together, they go and serve President Bartlett together, without looking back. They'd found the real thing. Finally, a leader they could trust. And that scene, it always gets to me. I get a bit emotional watching that. Because some of my friends from from university, from school, like then now in pretty impressive jobs, one was writing speeches for the Prime Minister, and others doing policy for the Bank of England, others are journalists and lawyers. And at times, if I'm honest, I I can be a bit jealous, kind of seeing where they've ended up. But then I remember a passage like this one in Isaiah, and I remember that I found the real thing. I remember that I'm serving a leader like no other, a leader I can trust, the perfect King. And if we're going to keep trusting Him, If we're going to find hope in Him, even in the face of disaster, that is the message we need to remember. This is what He's like, the perfect King. We've seen what He's like. He's the perfect King, but there's more. In the rest of the passage, God shows us what He'll bring. What is this leader going to bring? At you know, Christmas, there's often talk of uh, peace on earth. You see that on Christmas cards, don't you? Peace on earth on decorations. And um, to me, that's not very exciting. It sounds a bit boring. Um, just a bit bland. What, what is that about? But, but get a taste of peace in these verses. It's far more than the absence of war. It's more than just a, a sentimental Christmas feeling. Listen to verse six onwards again. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's beautiful, isn't it? Beautiful poetry. And it, it's figurative language. It's drawing from pictures of the animal kingdom to make a, a bigger point. I don't know if you've watched Planet Earth on the BBC. It's been on recently. Amazing pictures of the animal kingdom around the world. Uh, but let's be honest, what's most gripping is seeing animals try to eat one another. That is what's most exciting, isn't it? Did you, see, did you see that clip with the snakes and the lizard? Did anyone see that? How amazing was that? If you haven't seen it, Google it when you get home. There's this little lizard that's being attacked by dozens of snakes trying to get away. It's exciting. Seeing, um, seeing my wife watch it was hilarious, because she hates both snakes and lizards. <laughs> so she's kind of torn between wanting the lizard to die, but not wanting the snakes to win. <laughs> but that is what the animal kingdom's like. It's a battle. It's dangerous. But here in these verses, it's all changed, doesn't it? The fiercest predators, lions, leopards, wolves are all living peacefully with the most vulnerable prey, lambs, goats, calves, even little children, infants. And that's the point I think it's making. When this king comes, there will be perfect peace. The most helpless will be safe with the most dangerous. Just imagine a world like that. The most helpless completely safe, with the most dangerous. You know, former leaders of criminal gangs could come and babysit your children, and you'd be fine with it. They'd be safe. There wouldn't be fences and gates around schools anymore, no more DBS checks for people working with children. There's no danger. You can leave your car unlocked at night and your front door open. You wouldn't need to remember all those passwords for websites and the bank pin numbers that you always forget. No one will steal anything. It's a world of perfect peace because everyone, everywhere, knows God. He's at the center of everything. That is what happens when this perfect king comes. That is what he brings. As verse 10, he stands as a banner, and the people from the nations all over the world flock to him and find peace. That is attractive, isn't it? That is worth waiting for. Because as we look around the world today, with conflict in Syria, with crime in our own towns, with new reports of tragic abuse of children seeming to come out week by week, it's clear the world isn't yet like this. But we do see a glimpse of it as we read the Gospels, as we see what life was like when Jesus was on earth, how he brought healing and comfort and peace to all who trusted in him. And we do get a taste of it here and now in our our church communities. You know, I know the community here at St. Swithins is a a loving place of peace. It's different to the world, It's, it's not perfect, but there is a sense of safety and peace among the church family here. But like the people in Isaiah's day, we too have to wait. We're looking forward to when Jesus will come again and finally bring this perfect peace, eternal peace, when He comes. He's already defeated the greatest enemies, sin and death. He's already brought us peace with God. And one day, all creation will know that peace. The most helpless will be safe with the most dangerous. That is what He brings, perfect peace. From time to time, all of us will ask ourselves, is it crazy to trust Jesus in today's world? Aren't there better things, safer things to put our trust in? And the message from Isaiah today is, no, it's not crazy. He is the perfect king. You can trust him. He'll bring perfect peace. It is worth waiting for. I don't know what it will mean for you this week to trust Jesus above everything else. In those times when we feel vulnerable, when our, our heart rate starts to go, where are we going to turn? Who are we going to trust in practice? I don't know, it may be that there is a, a big issue in your life right now. In your mind, even as I'm speaking, there's something on the horizon, something's threatening and you're anxious. Perhaps you've done all that you can to deal with it, you've made plans, you've sought advice, you've spent hours thinking about it, but there might be one thing that you haven't done. Pray. You know, I prefer to be active, to to solve problems, to make a plan, and often in the midst of that, I forget to do the most important thing to turn to Jesus. Reflect on what we've seen about Jesus today. He is the perfect king, the perfect leader. He's powerful and wise, he's mighty and kind. He is exactly the kind of person you should bring these these things to. He's able to help us in our struggles here and now. But even in the midst of anxiety, even if disaster comes, we can look forward to that perfect peace that he'll bring. We have a certain hope to anchor us when everything else is falling away. So why not this week, as you face that particular issue, just look back on these verses again, reflect on them, and turn them into prayer. For some of us, it might be that our self-confidence needs to be challenged. Uh, For those of us like me, in in full-time education, at school or college, or even as you progress in your career, we spend a lot of time building up skills, getting better at what we do, and that can easily become the source of our confidence. We think, I'll be fine, I've got everything I need. Well, maybe you just need to take some time out this week that would normally be invested in all that, and just pray, meditate on what we've seen, Look to Jesus, acknowledge that you need him, that you're waiting for him to come again. And this might affect the way that you help others too. I know when I talk to people who are struggling or anxious for whatever reason, my first instinct is to fix the problem, to do something practical. That's a good thing to do. But often we can't just solve people's problems that simply, can we? We need to offer more than just practical help. We need to offer people Jesus. I wonder, as you comfort people, are you pointing them to Him, offering to pray with them, read the Bible with them, help others make Jesus their firm hope, even in the face of disaster? Because that is what Isaiah has done for us today. He points us to the perfect King who will bring perfect peace. That's what we celebrate at Christmas this King has come and will come again. So whatever threatens you, whatever gets your heart going with worry, whatever shadows are cast amidst the lights this Christmas, keep trusting Him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for these beautiful promises in Isaiah hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Thank you that to people who were anxious, threatened, facing disaster, you promised hope. You promised a perfect leader to bring perfect peace. And I pray for those of us here who are in the midst of anxiety and troubles. Please turn our eyes away from ourselves and point them to Jesus, our perfect King. Help us to hope in the peace that he'll bring. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.